Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of the Sarah Has Things to Say podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McCallion, and thank you so much for joining me today. So like I said in episode six, this is going to be a part two. So episode six was part one, episode seven is part two. So if you haven't listened to episode six, go back and listen to that one before um, getting into this one. So like I was saying in episode six, and how I'll continue this onward, is that we do a lot of things in relationships to self-sabotage, to push people away, to pull people closer. You know, we we all, we are always in this sort of like power struggle with people that we're close with. And we don't want to stay in that. We want to have healthy relationships. We want to have healthy communication. We want to be with people that we care for, that care for us in return, and that we feel like there's this equal energy exchange, equal effort exchange, that both people are like on the same path, going towards the same goal and have the same interests and same values in mind. So like I was saying, I had this amazing high school relationship. And then once it ended, I just thought that men were all cool and men were all going to be kind and they weren't. And so what I learned after that relationship and what I was experiencing a lot of is a lot of those disrespectful behaviors that happen in relationships or even just dating. So I wasn't serious with anyone for a while after that, but I, at the time, didn't know about all these things like stonewalling, gaslighting, um, you know, these ineffective communication styles that people have, manipulating, using ultimatums or refusing responsibility or not taking accountability. I was doing those things. Guys I was dating were doing those things, but we weren't labeling them the way that we are now. And so I think that's where it is really interesting because we start to see as we get older that we also were the toxic person in someone else's life. We also were the good person, the bad person, yada, 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 yada. So when I was younger and when I was dating in my early 20s, I found I was in a lot of situations with a lot of different people. And, you know, I didn't date like a lot of different guys, but I was actively dating and, you know, actively seeing like a couple of different people, maybe at the same time and just trying to figure out like, what do I like? What don't I like? What kind of guy do I want to be with? You know, what does my future look like in this realm? And I noticed a lot of those things like gaslighting, like asking a guy a question and him making me feel like what I was asking either wasn't important or it wasn't, I wasn't deserving of an answer. So for instance, like asking a guy or that I'm dating about the relationship that he has with another woman and then him telling me that there's nothing there, there's no feelings there, but then later finding out that there actually was. And then that being such a tense part in the relationship, because I kept thinking back, like, Am I crazy? Like, am, is what I'm feeling real? Because I felt that there was feelings there. I could see them together. I could see them interacting. And I felt that there was something going on behind my back, but they just kept saying no. So when we're gas, when we're, when we're being gaslit, it's essentially like a distortion of our reality. We feel something, we believe it to be true, but the person that we're looking to seek the answers from is not being honest. And so then we go back feeling like we're crazy. Like, well, he says he's not doing that. He says that he, you know, isn't, in any kind of intimate relationship with this person, but we just could tell, like our intuition could just feel it. So that's like one example of gaslighting. There's also, you know, manipulative tactics where I found that I was dating a lot of guys who had a lot of expectations of women that I wasn't cool with. So for instance, um, this kind of all links because I told you I'm gonna talk about this experience that I had when I went to Europe, but prior to going to Europe, I was dating a couple guys that, <laughs> not a couple guys. I was dating one guy and the ones I dated before him, it wasn't working out. So those things ended, but I was dating a guy who was like, yeah, I wouldn't want to date somebody who's going to go on a solo trip to Europe. Like who does she think she is? And I was like, what? Like, I already have the trip plan. I'm not canceling the plan. You're barely even my boyfriend. So I was like, well, I guess sucks for you. But then I could see how there's these like manipulative ideologies, like, or these, um, ultimatums. Like if you go on that trip, 
I don't accept you. If you go out with your friends, we're gonna break up. So there was all these things happening where people were trying to gain control over me and I didn't like it. And I could tell that who I was at that time was just really somebody who wanted to try to figure out who they were, try to get to know myself better, try to understand what I wanted in relationships. So there are other very disrespectful behaviors, obviously like abuse, very serious manipulation that I will get to in future episodes. But for today, I just wanna pick up on like some of the subtle ones that happen, especially when we're a bit younger in our early 20s and we haven't had the knowledge or education around these different difficult, disrespectful things that we now can really put labels to. So gaslighting being one of them. There's this other one that me personally drives me absolutely bananas, but I'm sure most of you have experienced this from one partner or another, and that would be stonewalling. Stonewalling is when we decide that we're going to not communicate about the issue. So something has happened. I've presented a topic of contention to my partner. And rather than them either looking to me to communicate, looking to validate, what they choose to do in return is shut down the conversation and create distance in the relationship. So I can give you an example of how this plays out. I go to my partner, I say, hey, I'm really feeling upset about what you said yesterday when we were at dinner. And they're like, yeah, well, that's cool, but we're not gonna talk about it. And typically in healthy relations, when you have conflict, maybe the conflict isn't resolved right away. And maybe the talk doesn't happen right away. Maybe you present an issue to your partner at a time where it's not good. Like it's during a kid's game or like, you know, the person's busy or not busy. So you guys mutually agree upon a time where you're gonna come back and talk about the issue. But in stonewalling, the person has decided that they're not even gonna attend to the issue. They're not gonna talk to you about it. And they either, they either ignore you or ignore your needs around this issue or they just sweep it under the rug and hope that you're going to forget about it. And so those two things I saw happening in a lot of my relationships that um, were happening as a younger person. But like I was saying, I couldn't link them. So then I go on this trip to Europe feeling like I hate guys. I hate men like men suck. Um, I'm never going to find the relationship that I want. And I, again, always brought it back to the fact that, well, it's probably because I don't deserve one because I hurt my first boyfriend or it's probably because like it's just not in line for me. All these sort of things but what ended up happening is I got an opportunity to go to Europe uh, England specifically to do addiction mental health work and that was during my nursing um, schooling so I got this opportunity because I applied for it and about eight I think it was eight other students also got to go on the same trip so we went we had our own apartments where we stayed in London and going on the plane like I didn't know anyone that I was going with so I was getting on this plane not knowing anyone else just like doing this thing that I'd never done before at a pretty young age and feeling very empowered feeling pretty free feeling like okay maybe that maybe the things I wanted to experience earlier in my life these are the things like I want to travel on my own I want to gain that independence and like although those things can create some risks with dating um it was something that I needed to do to get to know myself a little bit better so I was successfully accepted to to partake in this trip and I go to Europe with absolutely no expectations of meeting a guy I had absolutely no thought in my mind that that would happen so I go to Europe I meet these people this group of people we're all working there together over this period of um five or six weeks and we're traveling around we go to France we go to Ireland like we have all these really amazing experiences and a couple of us got a little bit closer like two four of us four of the girls we decided to like hang out together do traveling together things like that so none of us knew what was to come on that trip and I had no idea what was to come but within the first week of being on that trip we went out to a bar and I go get a drink at the bar with one of the bartenders and you know this thing happens where like him and I lock eyes and me being lover girl Sarah looks at it like oh like what was that like what just happened there and I go off to enjoy the rest of my evening dancing talking with my friends stuff like that and I think in my head like did is that one of those moments in time where somebody experiences the same thing that I'm experiencing I was like probably not Sarah you're crazy you're delusional like this is not this is not a movie this is real life and so I kind of just brush it off but then later that evening 
the guy had a little break from his work and came right up to me right away and was like, hey, like, I want to know you. What's your name? Like, I want your number, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, what the hell? So it was an experience where like both of us locked eyes, both of us shared some lust or whatever it was. You know, we both felt that experience like immediately. And I was like, oh, is that what love at first sight feels like? Is that, I was back in Toronto dating all these guys that like I hated or like it wasn't working out. I didn't hate them all. That's a little mean, but like things weren't working. Like we weren't connecting. We didn't have the same values. And then I come to another country and all of a sudden I lock, lock eyes with this guy and I'm like lusting and all in love. So we exchange numbers and for the remainder of my trip in Europe, he literally becomes my boyfriend, like not actually my boyfriend, but we were together almost every single day. So I would go to work, probably have dinner with the friends that I had made as well and like explore, be exploring the city, but then also planning these like little dates with this guy. So like, you know, picnics in the park, you know, all these like really cute things. Like he would come and meet me after work and you know, we would explore together. And for the first time in my life, I thought that, oh, I'm experiencing something that those people in movies are going to talk about for the rest of their life. And genuinely for the rest of my life, I have talked about this person. Like that was a moment in my life where I will always look back at, like that was just so fun and cute. And like, I knew the universe put that person there to remind me in some big way that don't lose hope in, and don't lose faith in love, even though you feel like you don't deserve it, even though you don't feel like you're good enough. Like someone will come eventually that does change your life and someone will come that will make you feel all those like really nice feelings. So the funny part about the story is that he was traveling from Italy to London. I was obviously traveling from Canada to London. He barely spoke any English. Like his English was broken. I don't speak Italian. My my mom is Italian, but my, my mom never taught us really good Italian. So a lot of the time when we were communicating and this kind of goes back to these like communication styles is that we weren't clearly understanding each other with our English or Italian but what we were doing was like breaking everything down in a way that we both understood and the body language and you know what you realize is that that communication is not just the verbal it's the nonverbal, and it's it's the effort that you make in wanting someone to understand you and I thought in that moment if I can have this person who only speaks a bit of English and is still learning English understand me and make me feel so understood, then it's possible with other people, the effort just has to be there. It was really sweet. It was a really cute experience. It was something I will never forget. The way that my heart felt in that moment was like, like it was really lovely. Um, him and I afterwards had talked like, pretty seriously like what are we gonna do like we both like are so in lust or whatever we were so in lust so in love like what do we do what do we do and I knew I had to go back to Toronto so again I was like in this moment in my life where this crossroads happens where I'm like what do I do do I finish my schooling in Toronto I was halfway through nursing school do I cancel nursing and move to Europe because I'm like in love with this guy I had no idea what to do but when I went back to Toronto I was like heartbroken I felt like I just want to go back to Europe I just want to be with this guy and it was that moment where I was like I really have to make a big decision because the options are on the table. Like I could figure out how to move to Europe. I could figure out how to cancel nursing here, possibly do nursing there. Like I really thought about it and it, and you know, there's are, there are other people who did make those big life choices for a relationship. They did move, move across countries. And like, when I look back at it now, I think like, what would my life have been like if I moved to Europe at that age, I would have had a whole different life experience in my twenties. Maybe I would have gone and it would have lasted six months. Maybe I would have came back, but you know what? At the end of the day, I will never know. And that's something I have to accept. And that's something we all have to accept is we make decisions we have to stick to them regardless of the consequences so I chose to stay in Toronto I also felt like I can't leave my family I can't leave my friends I can't leave this career choice that I was so set on having I, I wanted to be a nurse I wanted to get a degree you know I wanted to fulfill these things that I you know had 
put set out for myself. And when I spoke in episode one about like these check boxes, like going to Europe and take making an impulsive choice for a man would not have been checking the check boxes. It would have been the most impulsive, like spur of the moment, life changing decision that could have gone either way. But what I will say is that movies are not made from nothing. Movies are made because people have experienced love like that. And you know, it is love where you feel understood, you feel cared for, you feel connected to somebody. It's something you can't explain. Communication is something you can't always explain. It's just something you have with someone. And it made me realize when I went back to Toronto that like, yeah, I was dating guys that like literally didn't know how to communicate. I was dating guys that didn't make me feel understood. I maybe didn't make them feel understood. And there was this exchange, but it really had this impact on like two people can make something work if two people want to make something work. And that's what it takes. It takes two people who are both willing and not ready to give up. And you know, if maybe me and this person had decided to embark on this journey of me moving or him moving to Canada, like that was on the table as well. Don't get me wrong. The move of him coming to Canada was also something that was talked about, but I just like, I I wanted to go to Europe. Like I loved London. I loved Ireland. I loved Paris. I was like, I want to live in Europe. I don't want to live in Canada. Screw Canada. So actually after that situation had happened, you know, and after falling into a horrible depression about like the love of my life that I've left in England, you know, I worked out some of those kinks and I kept moving on with my life. And it's funny because even years later, myself and that guy we still connected here and there and we were just like do you remember that like we both never forgot we both talked about it we both talked about that brief moment in our lives where we met somebody and it felt like out of this world bursts of love and you know I, I learned later a lot about like the hormones that we experience when we're in lust with somebody you know dopamine has a big role to play in you know all those happy hormones but Regardless, everybody that's in a long-term relationship has felt the honeymoon phase. Everybody who's worked for a relationship has felt the honeymoon phase. We all know that the honeymoon phase does dwindle down over time, but it's up to us as humans and in our relationships to create and to continue that honeymoon. Like we have to make the effort. Like we have to try to communicate better. We have to try to understand people better because if we don't, then it's not going to work. And it doesn't matter how many relationships we get in and out of, the same problems are going to continue to arise if we don't figure out how we're contributing to it in a negative way way. So while I haven't talked about that guy in a long, long, long time, I'm happy to bring it here because it's one of those things where like, I won't ever forget. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed that I was potentially going to run off to Europe with a guy. Like it's not embarrassing to me because had I done that, I would have had a whole set of different experiences that would have shaped my life. And who knows what my life would be like right now if I did that. But that's something that to tie into what I was speaking about in episode six is just that it's these moments of impact where we're at that fork in the road and we don't know which path to take. We feel strongly about one. We don't feel so strongly about the other. We feel safe with one. We feel like the other one's a huge risk, but only in time will we know how those decisions play out. And both options could hurt us. When I look at it now, what path do you think I'm probably taking? I'm probably going to be taking the one that's that has more risk. If it were me now meeting somebody in Europe, I'd probably be figuring out a way to move to Europe because my life is different now. I could probably figure it out more financially. Obviously, it would mean that my kids would have to come with me, but like ultimately, I'm going to make decisions now that feel like they have a bit greater risk because I feel like the outcome and reward is going to be bigger. Even though I, I spent a lot of my life not making those choices, as I discussed in the previous podcast, I know now that when we take big risks, big outcomes, big successes, big life experiences happen. And it's really cool. And it's really special. And while parts of us will have regrets, parts of us will wonder like, did I make the right choice? Should I have done that then? We can only know what we know and we can only live how we lived and we can't go back and that's okay. But what I want to emphasize is the fact that 
don't date if you really don't know what you want. Like don't date if you really don't know yourself because I was doing that and I didn't know what I wanted and it caused a lot of like confusion and heartbreak. And like, while we have to date to gain experiences in dating, we hurt a lot of people along the way when we haven't really found this sense of self where we know who we are, we know how to communicate properly. I mean, like I shouldn't say don't date because it's like a really extreme statement, but like truly and honestly, if you don't have a relationship right now and you haven't had one ever that's been significant, make sure you've spent time alone where you're not actively dating make sure you spend time with yourself make sure you get to know yourself in a way that you know you can avoid these like self-sabotaging toxic behaviors because you know that you've done them in some place or another half of the relationships barely even start or become committed because we're doing all the things to avoid it even from getting there sometimes when i'm single i think like how do people even get to the place of like they're dating and then they form a committed relationship and then they're serious and then eventually they're married and eventually they're living together. I like, I have no concept for how that happens. I know that it's happened for me and I know that I've been in situations where like I've become serious with somebody, but when you're meeting different people, it's really hard to see like, where will this go until it gets there? But really be clear about what your expectations are in dating. If you're not, you know, looking for something serious, be clear about that. If you're looking for a casual situation, be clear about that. There are going to be other people who are on the same page as that. Like I know when I was in my early twenties, I was looking for more casual situations because I didn't know myself very well I didn't know what I wanted and the people that I had those casual relationships with were also on par with having casual relationships they also were in the same position so there was a mutual respect and understanding that we are not going to probably lead to anything too serious but we were both okay with that and if it did lead to something cool if not like there was no hard feelings and there was less hurt and there was less attachment to it a lot of people are talking about attachment these days I'm 100% going to be talking about it our attachment styles being attached being disattached because it's super important but I guess to wrap up this podcast what I really want to emphasize is the fact that there are so many ways in which we can harm our relationships and there's so many ways we can prevent ourselves from harming our relationships and if I could go back and change some of those things and maybe like prevent some of the harm that I might have caused other people I I for sure would I would love to go back and make some changes but you know at at the end of the day I don't know if it would have still led me to being where I am now with the kids that I have and being having had the partner that I had to have kids with like I still want these things and I don't ever regret them so if you don't know about self-sabotage if you've never heard about it please go do some more research on it today like think about about ways in which you've contributed to your relationships in a negative way, in a toxic way, and think about what you need to do to get better at it. There's lots of help out there, whether this is podcast is helpful or not to you. You know, at least you learned a little bit more about my life, my relational life. Like I haven't had a very cookie cutter approach to relationships. I haven't had this streamlined long-term relationship my whole life, but I have a lot of experiences from dating and having committed relationships. And I can't wait to bring more of that here. And I hope you'll keep listening. So again, if you feel like this could relate to anybody, share it with a friend and keep listening, like, share. Thank you guys so much and I look forward to talking in episode 8.